in today's show. Let's recap all of the action from Thursday. A few other little bits and pieces as well. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode of Locked On Fantasy Basketball is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities. Since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get a tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family from the community can come together. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. And thank you to you too, also for being or for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Just three games on today. We're going to recap all of that. Injury news, an I request elaboration, Watfo, ads and drops, full show. Let's go into the news. Um, this bloke. It's Vucevic. Vucevic. Yes. Nikola Vucevic has tested positive for COVID. It looks like he'll be out minimum 10 days. Um, the Bulls' only other center is Tony Bradley. So Bradley will presumably start. Otherwise, what can they do? Derek Jones Jr.? Alizé Johnson, who's more of a power forward and has been out of the rotation with Bradley getting the minutes. Uh, Marco Simonovic, who's barely been playing. All those guys are going to have to get some minutes, and they will go small. I'm not expecting 35 minutes a night from Bradley, but he should get 24, I'd say 25. And he can be useful enough, especially if you're looking for some boards, some blocks, and some field goal percentage. He's not as stiff as an NBA center. He's okay. Like, and So I think he can get those rotation minutes. I so keep an eye on that. The other big news, Kelly Olenek is out with a strained... Sprain, sorry, MCL. Grade two, at least six weeks. Make that eight to 10. There's no way. Six weeks with MCL sprain, I would be very, very skeptical. Um, anyway, without an open IL slot, it's a clear drop. So what does this do? It means that your mate, my mate, Alf Stewart. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. Hopefully it means there is there are fewer excuses for Dwayne Casey to limit his minutes. Foul trouble will remain a problem. And I'm not expecting Stewart to play 35 minutes a night. But instead of 24, 28, 29, maybe it goes higher. If Isaiah Stewart is on your waiver wire, go and add him immediately. You just you got to do it. In a deeper league, their only other center is Luca Gaza. Now, Gaza can shoot. He can rebound. He can score. I don't think he's going to be out here playing 25 minutes a night. But in like 20, 18, 16 team leagues, you take a flyer on a guy like that. Um, Trey Lyles might play at center, but let's be honest, he's trash whatever position he plays. I don't think we're going to see gigantic uptake, uh, put it, output, uh, gigantic up to, up, oh man, I can't speak, uptick in his output. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think we're going to see big improvements. Um, the other guy, the guy that's sort of power forward size is Isaiah Livers, but he's out. Jamorco Pickett, I guess, can play at the three and the four, which might push guys up a bit, but it's going to be Stewart. It's going to be Gaza. 
They might play some lineups with Grant at the five at times. Yeah, but what you need to know is if Stewart's there, you add him, E, obviously. 16, maybe 14 teamers, you can grab Gaza and see what happens. But again, I think you'll get some nights where Gaza plays 25 because Stewart gets in foul trouble. But otherwise, it'll probably be 28 to 30 and you know for Stewart and then 18 to 20 for Gaza. That's that's how, yeah. Look at Gaza. There's, there's a nickname there. Do we call him the Strip? Maybe? I don't know. Um, anyway, Austin Reeves out two weeks with a hamstring injury for the Lakers. Brooke Lopez is out again. With Reeves out, Monk and Bradley get the benefit. The, the, I, I can't speak. They're the beneficiaries. That's what I'm trying to say. Brooke Lopez, so Bobby Porter starts. Bobby Porter's must roster. DeAndre Ayton doubtful again. So Frank Tank kaminsky probably should be on a roster for the short term. We don't know what's actually going on with Ayton's injury. Dylan Brooks is out. One game back and he's out again for injury maintenance from his hand. That's very intriguing. Why does he need injury maintenance after a hand injury? It's not a lower body injury. You're not running on it. Why is he seeing that out? It's a broken hand. That's weird to me. Hopefully nothing aggravated. We'll have to keep an eye on it. And Zion Williamson is miles away from returning. He's doing one versus zeros, but he's not coming back before December. He may not be back before Christmas. I don't think Ben Simmons is ever playing for Philadelphia again either. That weird report from Shams today. Again, just going back and forth, trading mental health information is pretty gross from both sides. Um, I don't know how it actually clarifies anything that's going on. I have no idea what's actually going to happen with this team. We're going to talk Sixers in a minute. But it's uh, it's been a pretty gross um, pretty gross situation, I think, just in general with all the, uh, with all the Simmons stuff and, and the mental health um, aspect of it has not been particularly good. But what is particularly good is McDonald's, and they sponsor this show, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty and affordable food. It's a part of the community. It's an unofficial community center, a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. You want to go get a McFlurry? What's your favorite McFlurry? And don't tell me the machine's always broken. It's not. I've had McFlurries. I know they exist. They're real, but they're great. Whatever you want at McDonald's, you know what you're going to get. It's reliable, it's tasty, it's affordable. Plus, they've got their Wi-Fi. Plus, it's something where you have a part, it's a memory. It's a part of our lives for this long. Coming back from a sporting event, little Bobby, I'm going to take you to Macca's, my guy, if you hit a home run. And then little Bobby comes out after the game and he's dejected. Dad, I only hit a double. Well, little Bobby, it's very disappointing. You've let your family and all of our ancestors down. But just this once, I'll let you get a cheesy. Yay, cheesies! So why don't you head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. Basketball, football, they're cranking. And the best place to place your bets is at Bet Online. Redesigned website. Get your props, your odds, all your contests. Everything's there. So head to that new updated desktop site or your mobile device and sign up today using our promo code LOCKEDON to save, well, not save, you get a 50% welcome deposit bonus. Awesome. From basketball, football, the NHL, boxing, or UFC. Don't wait. Take advantage of all of the great offers they have for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. I request elaboration. All right. It's time you requested elaboration. I'm requesting elaboration. I put a poll up on YouTube. We're elaborating on DeJounte Murray, who has been excellent to start this season. There is absolutely no um, doubt about that. No denying it. 
DeJounte Murray has put up some gigantic numbers. Over the last two weeks, he's the seventh-ranked player in category leagues, and in points leagues, he's sixth, averaging 46 fantasy points per game. He's averaging 27 and 7.7 assists. 20 points, 7 rebounds, 7.7 assists, over two steals, and actually almost half a block in 34 minutes. He's doing it while shooting 49% from the field, 39% from three, and 81% from the line. These are all astonishingly good numbers. At the start of the season, I did not know, and let's be honest, the Spurs did not know who was going to be their number one go-to guy. Popovich said this multiple times. We don't know. We're going to test it out. Very quickly, it was established that it's DeJounte Murray, who's that number one usage guy on this team, and he is responding by carrying this team, doing it with um, yeah, this high-level scoring, but also doing it by being more efficient and by improving his passing. This is a guy that's never averaged more than five and a half assists per game. That's what he averaged last year. He's up over eight for the season. Now, those shooting splits and the scoring, that's way up from where he is on the season. For the season, he's at 45 from the field, 33 from three, and 74 from the line. So you see the last two weeks has been a gigantic improvement. So there is going to be some level of regression, I would imagine. This is not a guy that we look at and go, this is a great shooter. That's, he's never been that. He's not a good outside shooter. He's not a good, um, he's an okay free throw guy, but not like an excellent free throw guy. So there's going to be regression there for sure. Will the assist regress? I'm not certain they will. I reckon they might have stuck at this level. Will the usage regress? No, I think it's probably going to stick around this 25% mark. It's just those shooting numbers which we have to watch. Also, the steal numbers are very, very high. He's never been over 1.7 steals per game. Um, and with the increased offensive focus, there might be a decrease there. He's also had a career high for blocks. He leads the Spurs in Raptor. Intriguing stuff. Second on the Spurs in Raptor is Devin Vassell. Um, and Derek White is well, equal second with Devin Vassell in terms of sorry in terms of Raptor War. Um, in terms of just pure Raptor on a, on a per game or per minute basis, Murray still leads at plus three point six, and the next highest is Vassell at plus two point three, and then Pirtles at one point seven. So huge stuff from Murray to be this good. In on-off numbers for this team, he's second as well. He's being gigantically impactful. The only guy that's higher is Cater Bates Diop at plus 16.6. Murray's at 16.1. That's you know, adding 39 wins to a team. That's how that level of play is. That's obviously super impressive. Darko, daily plus minus, doesn't like him as much. He's 109th, and Darko's a more of a forward-looking projection. So they're projecting him 104th moving forward. That's, that's not particularly good. And his change in his Darko, which is the DPM Delta... Is only 69th highest change out of everyone in the league. I thought, you know, before I really dug into it, that it would have been higher. So that's an intriguing one. So maybe Darko, we're looking at these, yeah, Raptors look, Raptors got some forward-looking elements, but it's mainly looking back. Whereas Darko is using what's happened and trying to project forward. So Raptors really loving what he's doing. Darko's looking at it going, yeah, it's good. He's improved a bit, but he hasn't improved as much as some others. And we haven't fully um, bought into this being the new norm for Murray. I'd probably lean a little bit more towards the Raptor side versus the Darko DPM side. But it's going to be interesting to watch because those two things aren't in alignment here. They were on the last one we did, on the Montrezl Harrell one, they were pretty much in alignment. They're, they're not completely sold here. So that is going to be one to watch. But he's been there's no, no denying that he has been great this year. Um, he has yeah, shot... I think maybe this is part of the reason why there's some consternation with DPM is he's hitting his long mid-ranges at 49%, which is a really, really high number. 
He's finishing at the rim at 66%, which is also a really, really good number. But his effective field goal percentage is still only at 48%, which is low. All right, he's not hitting his threes at particularly high levels. You know, pull up or above the break three is 27%. There's still, and he's on this little hot streak, but there's still some concerns with how all that's going. But he's been awesome in terms of what we look at for him moving forward. I think we got to look as a guaranteed top 50 guy, probably top guaranteed top 40, probably top 35, probably maybe top 30. And in points leagues around that same, maybe even top 20 for points leagues. He's been really good. I just expect a little bit of regression from the recent level of his shooting. That brings us to Watfo. Thanks to Hill Eyes. Hill Eyes says, what are the odds that Darius Garland finishes in the top 50 this season? Garland is, I think, 48th so far. I have him to finish the year at about 59th from here on out. So it is a really borderline one. I'm going to go with 42% that he finishes inside the top 50. Now, I like Darius Garland a lot. Um, Sexton, I think, will return at some point. And I just think there is going to be yeah, some other guys who are below him will improve. And, you know, you see the guys like Lillard and Tatum who are behind him, they jump up and then he moves outside the top 50. Not saying that Garland can't improve from where he currently is because he obviously can. But I just think when everything balances out, he'll probably finish like 55th or 53rd or something like that. So I'm going to say no, he can't finish top 50. Or I'm going to 42% sure he... 48% sure he doesn't. 42% sure he... he you know, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just all muddled. I think there's a 42% chance that he finishes in the top 50. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't get too fancy here, Josh. What's your Watfo? And what do you think of the Darius Garland Watfo that I just chucked out there? Let's look at the top ads in fantasy basketball over the last 24 hours. Number one has been Eric Bledsoe. And I guess that's just because of today's game. Danny Green, George Niang up 9% because of the low volume there. But interestingly, Drew Eubanks uh, up 9%. Jakob Pertl, we don't know when he's coming back, but that's an interesting ad. And then Aldridge up 7%. I think Aldridge is a really solid 12-team ad. Kaminsky up 7% with how he's playing. No problem there with eight and out. Dylan Brooks up 6%. Not a worry at all. Add him if you want. The big sneeze, Precious Achua. We'll talk about more, more about him later. I think you can feel pretty good about dropping him, to be fair. And then Royce O'Neal up 6%. The elite streamer that is Royce O'Neal. Um, again, low volume day today, so it made a lot of sense to bring him in. Let's look at the top drops. Over that last time, Anthony Simons down 11%. He's really ice cold. I think he'll have some moments of coming back and being useful enough, but not worth holding. Malik Beasley down 9%, sure. Serge Barker down 7%. He played in the G League today. Um, he's a long way to, from coming back and being useful. He's not a 12-teamer. DeAndre Hunter down 7 drop him. Cam Reddish down 5 not worth having in 12s, I don't think. Well, Chris Boucher, I think people will be annoyed that they dropped him after today. And there is absolutely no problem with having dropped Chris Boucher. But dropping him before a three-game slate when Birch and Siakam were out was probably the wrong time to drop him. As I said on the pre-game show and even I think on the mailbag show, like it's an excellent time to stream him in for what's going on on Thursday, given the situation and the guys out, um, not to drop him. So that was a poor decision to drop him at this particular moment in time. If you had to drop him at any other point in time, it makes complete sense. And we'll talk about him more in a second. But before we get there, Thanksgiving is coming up. Yes, we don't have Thanksgiving here, but I know what you guys do. It's about family and it's about food. But unfortunately, the food is so high calorie or high sugar or high fat that you can stack on the pounds. Well, why don't you start a new family Thanksgiving tradition and have Built Bar for dessert? Instead of a slice of pie, which is over 300 calories, easy, 
get a Bilt Bar, just 130 calories. Replace your coconut cream pie with a coconut Bilt Bar. Instead of using a Raspberry Pi, have Raspberry Bilt Bars and just chuck them around like you're just dealing cards, just flick them around the table so everyone gets one. They go, what's this? You go, it is the best tasting protein bar ever. And it's also our new delicious Thanksgiving dessert. Now, and before everyone mobs you to give you hugs and worship you for bringing this delight into their lives, you've got to go and check out the website for all of the great flavors and use our promo code, which is LOCK15. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off of Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting Thanksgiving dessert ever. Okay, let us go into the meat of this show, Giggity. Let's do recaps. The first game of the day, the Toronto Raptors. They take on the Philadelphia 76ers. They get the win on the road. Good stuff. 115-109. Let's talk about Fred Van Vliet. 32-6-7 with six triples, 50% shooting. Remember the slow start to Van Vliet's season? He's the 10th ranked player over the last two weeks and 13th for the season. We had him as a mid to early second round sort of player. He's producing that. I think it's all systems go. I expect some level of drop-off, but... You know, I had this argument, argument, discussion with Sean Woodley when we talked locked on. Uh, he's Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors, which you can go and check out as well. But when we talked on uh, the preseason preview, we'll say who's the Raptors' best player. He said it's definitely Pascal, and I said, is it? Maybe, maybe is it Fred? I think it maybe is Fred, but we'll see. Pascal hasn't really played this year. Pascal. Um, nice, Gary. Got the two steals, which is what we need. 20 points for Trent is great. Four threes is great. Adding four assists is awesome. He played a lot of point guard in this game. I would try and sell Gary Trent after this game because, again, the usage is really spiked without Siakam here. The steals are really nice, and he's been awesome on that, and he hadn't had any for the last two games. I would try to sell him. Well, Scott Barnes, 39 minutes, um, 13 points. That's not awesome. And he started out really high with his usage, and it did drop off under 16 or under 17%. That's something we really have to watch. But he stuffed the stat sheet. Nine rebounds, four assists, one steal, two blocks. You'd love all of that. Barnsey is now the 61st ranked player over the course of the season. 48th over the last two weeks. He had 37 fantasy points. I am watching... He had 39 minutes, so I am watching that usage. The Jedi, OG Ananobi. But what about Scarf? OG. Stop OG. Uh, you better stop OG. 20 points. He was pretty reluctant to shoot early on, but he got there in the end. 20 points, two threes, four assists, and just a fine game. And then the big sneeze, Precious Achua. Four points, nine rebounds, two steals, three blocks. Has there any been... I, I, how can a center shoot 10%? His efficiency numbers are atrocious. Now, he was always going to have a big opportunity in this game. We spoke about that in terms of streaming him ad nauseum. Two steals, three blocks, nine boards is great. No Birch, no Siakam. Like, he could go from 30 minutes in this game to literally not playing a second next game. It is possible. For all of the pressures that Chua won the starting spot in totality, as soon as Siakam's been back, he's been coming off the bench. And with the performance of the wiki Chris Boucher, maybe Achua doesn't get the backup minutes. If Birch is there on the bench and Boucher is there, maybe Achua doesn't play. Boucher was awesome here. This is why he's always been a, a good fantasy player. Before you get angry, Josh, you said drop him. I know. Let me finish. And I know I'm just, that's a straw man argument because I don't know if you've interrupted me. Regardless, 24 minutes, 17 and 6 with two blocks for Boucher is fantastic. He has shown this ability to put up permanent stats so many times. We know this. We know it all the time. And what has always been the argument with Boucher is does Nick Nurse trust him enough or like what he does on the court to give him those minutes? 
And this season, the answer to that has been a fat no nearly every single game. But it, the writing was on the wall. No Boucher, uh, no Siakam, no Birch. He is going to have to play. And he did. And to credit him, he was awesome when he played. We saw so much effusive praise coming from Nurse post-game. And so many people talking about Boucher. I have to think he's going to get more than the seven minutes a game that he's been getting. Because remember, you dropped him because he was playing seven minutes a game. And he looked out of it out there. And with Birch, Achua, and Siakam getting the minutes, there's no playing time for him. And Barnes playing a power forward, there's no playing time. But he could easily take the Achua minutes. Does that mean he's a must-roster 12-team league guy? I do not believe so. Because again... You've got to add 36 minutes of Siakam back into this rotation. You've got to add minimum 20 minutes of Birch back in. So you're talking 56 minutes coming back. All right, we can wipe out the 30 minutes of Achua easily. So there's 26 minutes that have to go from somewhere else. Are they taking it away from Trent Barnes, Ananobi, or Van Bleet? Probably not. The 16 minutes of Delano Banton, well, then you've got no guards coming off the bench. No one else to handle. And then you've got 16 minutes for Svee. So Boucher might be able to play 16 minutes, 18 minutes. I doubt he's getting 24 a night when they come back. If you disagree, and by all means, disagree, go and add him and see how it goes. But just remember, there is context around this game. Two centers were out, and he still played just 24 minutes. Fewer minutes than Achua, who stunk. He still played just 24. So is he a 12-minute guy, a 20-minute guy, a 7-minute guy? That's the big question. I personally won't add him, but I've got no problem if you do because you might have a different opinion on how this rotation is going to work. That's a lot of talk about Boucher, but I think it's important. It's also important for me to talk about Big Maxi. Tyrese Maxi Walker played 40 minutes, 33 points, five assists, one steal and two blocks on 63% and eight of eight from the line. That is a stellar game. You know that at, well, maybe you don't know, but when the NBA draft happened, I love that pick of Maxi. I said, this is ridiculous. Why has he gone so low? I liked him last year when he had opportunities when COVID, and I liked him in drafts this year. You know, I don't know what happens if Simmons comes back or when he comes back. I don't know if another point guard comes in, but I have been, and I feel pretty consistent with this, maybe I'm wrong, saying you just got to hold him. Like, just got to hold him. But Joel Embiid didn't play. And coincidentally, the two big games from Maxi have been two games without Joel Embiid. This one also didn't have um, yeah, Matisse Thibel. Not that that's really a huge impact. And Toby Harris was just coming back. Shake Milton is not taking minutes from Maxi. I feel good about that now. But Embiid is taking shots. And when you tie in a game without Embiid, where you get more shots, and then you hit them at a gigantic rate like Maxi did, it all ties into being a sell high. How high, Josh? I hear you maybe ask or maybe not ask. He's the 31st ranked player over the last two weeks. He's 53rd for the season. All right, fueled by some of this. Unless I get a top 50 or top 40 player back, I'll just go with it. He could very easily fall back to being the 90th ranked player, right? 100th ranked player. Real easy. It's very easy to see. 64% shooting, not going to happen. 40 minutes, not going to happen. 8 of 8 from the line, not going to happen. Usage of... What was it? 27%? Probably not going to happen. All right. All this is going to fall off. But I like what he does. He's way better than Shake Milton. And uh, unless you get the right value back, just enjoy it. The Thick Hogsman was back. Um, I think I am a TH. 
T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Inefficient stuff, but still 19-7-7 and for Harris is great. Well, Andre Drummond, holy shit. He saw Precious Achua try and be the worst shooting center of all time and tried to top him. Couldn't quite get there. Four points on 25% shooting, but he had four blocks, 12 rebounds, and three assists. Well, Seth Curry had 15-6-4 in his return, and Ferky from Turkey, 9-5-5. You can go ahead and drop Furkan Korkmaz. You can go ahead and drop George Niang, and you can go ahead and drop Shake Milton. This is how well Maxi was playing. Milton had 12 points on 83% shooting and still manages 17 minutes. Danny Green also um, is not a 12-team roster rule player, I don't think. He's like Royce O'Neal. That's how you should view him. Six points in 18 minutes. Him, Yang, Milton, Korkmaz, they're all 12-team options short-term. They can go. Well, Paul Reed again impressed. Only 13 minutes for Reedy. Three steals and a block. This is what he does. If he ever works into a 30-minute role, which is probably not going to happen, uh, he'll be like a top 60 fantasy guy. It's just never going to happen. All right. The Pacers and the Jazz. Sometimes I hate these three-game slates, but actually lets me get into a lot of, lot of chat on these games, which is pretty good. Pacers win on the road against the Jazz. Huge, huge win for them. Three guys got ejected. Miles Turner, Rudy Gobert, Don Mitchell, Joe Ingles. Gobert and Turner were scuffling. That's fine. They're going to get thrown out. I don't really care that they don't throw punches. I don't want people to throw punches. I don't care that they're just like wrestling each other. That's fine. They got ejected. Let's talk about Miles Turner. He was great again, I thought. 30 minutes, 13 and 9, three threes, steal three blocks. There were four minutes left in this game when he was ejected, so it could have been like a 34-minute game. Things are really trending up. Top 20 over the last two weeks. Um, try and sell high Malcolm Brogdon, please. 30 points, 37 minutes, nine rebounds, two threes. He's going to, I feel like, break down at some point. He's going to lose usage. He's playing out of his mind. Like, he's the eighth-ranked player this year. Like, out of his mind. I just don't think it's going to continue. And we've got to talk about Timothy John McConnell. Much like Boucher, the absences of players helped TJ. 21 points in 30 minutes, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. But that is not to take away anything from McConnell because he played really well and his last two games have been very strong after really struggling to find a rotation spot earlier. But much like when talking about Maxi. The best two games of McConnell's season have been the last two with Karis LeVert out. So add him, sure. Like I, Me saying he was a drop was me trying to look forward and how all the minutes go and how everything went. Right? And I, I could very well be wrong on that. But things change really quickly. So, so go and add him. If you miss out, I, I don't think it's the end of the world. But I also think this is really high level. Um, it doesn't get better than this for McConnell. So if you do want to move on, if you do have him, I'd try and sell him. Um, Chris Duarte, 31 minutes, 11 points, 5 rebounds. He is now outside the top 100 for the year. If you're in a shallow league, a 10-teamer, I I think he can be Jack Armstronged. Get that garbage out of here! If you're in a 12-team league, it is quickly heading that direction. Because remember, Levert has to come back. Warren's going to come back probably two and a half months away, but he's going to come back. And by the time you hit fantasy playoffs, Duarte, I don't think is going to have any impact at all. He's barely having impact now, 138th over the last two weeks. Like he's barely having impact. Everything is just struggling at the moment for him. Like it's not going, um, it's not going particularly well. Now he can probably turn this around. But we spoke early on the season when he was hitting like 55% of his threes that yeah, this stuff is going to fall off from him. It's just 
it's just not going to be there, right? He's not going to be able to maintain that. And then when everyone comes back, where does where does everything land? And yeah, we're st- we're seeing that we're seeing that happen already. Um, it depends who's on you. Like if Isaiah Stewart is floating on my wire, Duarte easy drop, right? Easy drop for Stewart. If TJ's out there, I might make that move. Um, Duarte actually is 172nd over the last two weeks. It's going the wrong way, real quick. It's also going the wrong way for Demontis Sabonis. Now I know that I was criticised for saying that you know, things weren't going well for him. He's 54th over the last two weeks. Yes, he fouled out, and that's why he played only 31 minutes. But six points on 20% shooting shitouts. Now he's going to be better than this. I've got no no queries about that. He is going to be better than this. But he's also now 30th on the season. It was hard for me to look at him as being the guy that repeated what he did last year. He can still be better than this, but it's just not the same, is it? And he was getting by earlier in this year shooting 75%, which is never going to stick. That's always one of those things you've got to look at. Is this impossible to continue? Yes. Then there's going to be a drop-off. Six and seven, five assists, 20% shooting, 50 from the line. He's in a massive slump. And as I've always said, I think Turner's the better player out of the two. And I'm not saying that Carlisle's thinking that at the moment, but... It's feeling more like that on court, isn't it? Now, there'll be plenty of you who disagree, who love Sabonis and think that I hate him for some reason. And then there'll be the others of you who come out and say, Josh only likes white Europeans, and so I can never win. But I just, I don't know. I had a lot of queries about Sabonis heading into this season. He's been worse than I anticipated, and I think he can turn it around, but it's not its not traveling in the right direction. Levert out, Keelan Martin in, apparently. 14 points for Keelan in 20 minutes. It's some ball handling as well, ahead of Jeremy Lamb. Interesting, but just a deep league option at this point. While for the Jazz, I don't think that Mitchell Gobert or Ingles are going to face any suspension or anything like that. Don had 26 points. He's Don. He's good. With three steals and three threes and was very efficient, 55%. While Gobert had 19 and 11 and Ingles had seven, four and four. Rough knife for Conley, but supplementing six points with eight assists and two steals is great. While Royce O'Neal was dreadful. Four points on one of six. He had a steal on a block. And that still keeps up his streaming value, but not much else. While uh, Jordan Clarkson's going to get double sound dropped here. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. Get that garbage out of here! Apparently can only play well against the Hawks, and both those matchups are done. 11 points on 21%. He is a punt field goal only guy. He is a stream option only. In points leagues, maybe you hold on, but he had 17 fantasy points here. He's just not traveling well at all. Things are not going in the direction you'd want. I would be still holding Boyan Bogdanovich, but it hasn't been great for him either. He dropped like 30 fantasy rank spots today after today's game. Eight points on 33%. But like so many others, he doesn't do anything else apart from points and threes. And when the shots don't go in, two rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. So that's DeAndre Hunter-esque with the two rebounds and zero assists. In a shallow league, I don't hate... In like an eight-teamer, get him out. Ten... I probably would hold. 12, I definitely would hold and will hopefully improve him. But he's not a really diverse type of producer. He's obviously got some significant flaws overall in his fantasy game. All right, so before we go on to the last game, have a, have a look at this. Look at the Don. Don Mitchell at the post-game press conference wearing the Locked On t-shirt. Hey, let's hit the button again. He's Don. He's good. Yeah, what a legend. I've got that t-shirt. 
Me and Don Mitchell, same t-shirt. All right, let's uh, let's go back to recap the last game of the day. And that was the Miami Heat going down, third loss in a row against the Clippers, 112-109. It's a really good game, back and forward uh, all the time. Let's start with Kyle Lowry. 38 minutes, 25 points, five assists, two steals, and four threes. Lowry had, I think, like four points or something heading into the last quarter. I feel like he dropped 20 points in about five minutes. Really, really good. Bam Adebayo was the opposite. He had like 18 points in the first seven minutes. Finished with 30 and 11 with a steal and a block. And his efficiency, which had been lacking this year, was back 67%. So a great game for those two without Jimmy Butler. Hero moved into that starting lineup and played a ton of minutes. 39 of them. 23, 7, and 3 for Hero. Didn't hit a three, though. While Robinson continues to struggle. The, the Spur had just two threes, Dunk. In 27 minutes, he was 15% shooting. He is a much better shooter than this. We're all well aware. He was 2 of 11 from 3. He's, he's much better than this. He also brought defensive stats, which is a surprise to be sure. Oh, Sheev, I should have hit you, shouldn't I? A surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Steal in two blocks. Duncan Robinson is nothing more than a streamer, though, for three-pointers. Do not roster him. Um, Gabe Vincent took a lot of those Butler minutes coming off the bench. 4.6 assists um, for deeper leagues. You can look at that while PJ Tucker had 10 boards. While for the Clippers, Paul George remains great. 27-4-5 with three steals. And Eric Bledsoe played 40 minutes. He had 21 points with three assists and three blocks. That's two big games in a row for Bledsoe. Still some nice schedule left for the Clippers the rest of this week. On They play on Saturday. Uh, I think they play Sunday as well, actually. So, yeah, adding him for the rest of the week is totally fine. Batum also, I think, is a must-roster player. Six points, but two threes, six rebounds, three assists, two steals, three blocks. He fills it up right across the board. While Zubats, with a Barker in the G League, played 29 minutes, had 18 and 11 and two blocks. It is going to be impacted later on, but Zubats has played really well over the last week or so. Reggie Jackson struggled a little bit, but ended with 22 points. And if you struggle and you hit 22 points and six of six from the line, I think you're overall pretty happy with that. While I, I do think that Terrence Mann can get Jack Armstrong. Get that garbage out! Zero points in 18 minutes. Sure, he'll be better than this, we know. But is there actually any top 100 upside here? Is it worth holding versus cycling through guys to find the right option and to get better options during the week on low-volume days than having Terrence Mann? I'm, I'm not sure. Now, you can hold him because of the schedule the rest of this week. But as we move forward, I'm not convinced that there's much of a chance of Mann hitting the top 100. And that's sort of what I want from the last guy on my bench. Otherwise, I want to find the next guy who might be able to provide top 100 value for a short amount of time. Now, whether that's you know, Frank Kaminsky, whether that's Drew Eubanks, like that's what you use that spot for. You get him in, you run through him, Tony Bradley, for a week. And then you move the next guy in. Then someone who maybe maintains value, then you hold on and that becomes fantastic. And then your 12th best player then becomes your worst player. And then you can move them as a cycle through. That's the way I'd like to look at that. And I think if you've got Terrence Mann, if you... Um, you rationally analyze your roster. He's your worst player. So in those cases, I reckon you probably do want to move on. To appease the masses, let's look at the lines of the night. The monstrous line of the night was Fred Van Vliet. The waiver wire line of the night was the big sneeze. Precious Achua, despite shooting 10%. The defensive stats and rebounds got in there. The young gun of the night, no surprise that it's Tyrese Maxey. While the dud of the night was Boyan Bogdanovich, who really struggled. Let's now go on to the top performers, top 10 performers in nine category leagues. At number one, it was, of course, Van Vliet. Two was Maxi. Three was Don Mitchell because of his T-shirt. Four was Paul George. Five was Miles Turner. Six was Malcolm Brogdon. Seven was McConnell. Eight was Adebayo. Nine was Gary Trent. And 10 was Tobias Harris. Guys rostered in less than 50% of leagues. Achua. 
No. Keelan Martin, not worth an ad. Paul Reed, Isaiah Hartenstein, Eric Pascal, Kayla Martin, PJ Tucker, Danny Green, Sfima Hyluk, and Gabe Vincent. I don't think any of those guys are worth 12-team league ads. And then if we go to points leagues, your top performers there, Maxi, Van Vliet, Brogdon, George, Adebayo, Mitchell, McConnell, Zubats, Hero, and Toby Harris. That'll do it for me. Don't forget, long-ass podcast with only three games on. Hope you got a lot, of, a lot out of it. If you did, drop a thumbs up down below. Drop a comment down below and subscribe to the channel. Also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. for me, Dad. <laughs>